This week on the podcast, we are speaking with an expert on digital marketing in the classical arts space. This is Using the Whole Whale, stories of data and technology in the social impact world. My name is George Weiner, your host and the chief whaler of wholewhale.com. Thanks for joining us. Well, we have a fun one for you today. We're speaking with the Executive Vice President and Chief Strategy Officer of the 21C Media Group. And, uh, you know, we, we have a fun conversation with Sean Michael Gross, who, as it happens, was the former boss of our very own Olivia, who works uh, on account strategy for Whole Whale. So we kind of have two layers of conversations here. One is on the, the tactics and approaches for... Uh, I'd say digital marketing and storytelling for classical arts, and we we talk about their work with various musicians like Yo-Yo Ma, and how important it is to make sure that um, you know the arts continue to be heard, to be supported. But a large part of that is, uh, as you can guess, the the marketing. And on the other side of it, we talk about uh, retention, uh, retention of employees, and we bring Olivia into the conversation, uh, previous boss to current boss. So we have some fun with it, and I hope you enjoy it. I'm here with Sean Michael Gross, the Executive Vice President and Chief Strategy Officer of 21C Media Group. Sean, how's it going? I'm doing well, George. How are you? I'm doing well today as well. And can you help us understand what is a 21C? Why does it have a media group? Well, 21C as a as a company was started back in 2000, and it, we, we actually began as a, a publicity firm. We were a PR firm specializing in uh, the performing arts, but uh, especially classical music. Um, the mission of the company was to really create a larger audience for the art form and be an advocate for it. Um, and we have evolved since then. I joined the company, just to give you some background, in 2007. So I've been here for just over a decade. And uh, when I joined the firm, it was kind of the dawn of the, not the digital age, but the social media age. Um, and many of the clients that we were working for at the time were looking for ways to utilize these new technologies and not really sure what to do, but we knew the media landscape was changing and we needed to, uh, find a, a way to continue to communicate with our audiences and hopefully grow those audiences. So I started our digital and creative media, media division back in, uh, it was 2009. And since then it is, uh, you know, we've grown over time and to become really a fully integrated, uh, as I like to say, owned and earned media agency, um, where we're working with artists, but also, uh, institutions, most of which are nonprofits, uh, to help them both, uh, develop to, you know, on the, the bigger picture is to develop their their communication strategy, uh, but a big part of that is, of course, the digital component, which is largely driving uh, the perception of uh, the artists and organizations in our field. So that's so that's kind of who we are as a company. My role in it, I'm one of four uh, four principals here at 21C Media Group, um, and uh, as chief strategy officer, my job is to kind of look into the crystal ball and see what opportunities exist 
um, in the marketplace and, and, and make recommendations and help lead the company uh, in a direction to uh, keep us competitive in the current and future environment. And so I want to come back to actually, you know, what I'll just sort of paraphrase as it's the best of times, it's the worst of times in terms of our access to communication tools and our, you know, ability to use them, but also on the other side, the amount of clutter out there. And it seems like, correct me if I'm wrong, that a lot of your work is helping your clients break through that clutter and especially anyone like listening right now that coming yep. that is coming at this from the arts perspective it strikes me as a real tough time to make people care about the arts when we've got mm-hmm. so many other issues you know orbiting so like how do you deal with this so the the, the way we're really breaking through all the clutter as you said and it's a very noisy time to uh to you know for and for the arts to be competitive with you know in the daily news cycle and what is showing up in people's news feeds it's not easy it's really have to it's where content comes first and part of it can in some way also uh touch on what is you know the broader things that are 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 happening in the world um and some i mean some of our clients some of our artist clients will uh are aren't shy of engaging with uh with in political conversations and with social issues and uh those who do then of course there is more of a natural tie-in with what the what the currents currently are um but also uh, in terms of just giving people a break to uh engage with be- just to engage with art not that not that art is of course art always has you know great art has a deeper meaning and it shouldn't be that art exists just pure i mean there's art that's purely for entertainment but that's not a lot of what we're dealing with we're dealing with art that really kind of engenders uh empathy and this deeper thinking and that requires a certain amount of focus um it's a a good it's a healthy break from from all of the noise that's out there yeah so can you give me an example of a, a cut through the clutter moment with one of your clients so you can disclose or not disclose their name or instruments to to protect the to protect the innocent of course yeah. no. but a moment where you helped a, a group or individual cut through well i'll talk about one one campaign where i can disclose i think i can disclose the client and also what kind of what the end result has become um and that client is uh yo-yo ma the uh the noted cellist and uh arts advocate um so Yo-Yo came to us. Yo-Yo has been a client for for uh, a few years, and came to us looking for ways to, you know, to create a greater understanding around the role of culture uh, in society, its uh, its impact, its you know the the benefits that it has, and also kind of broaden the defin the definition of culture beyond the arts uh, to also include sciences and the humanities. So. Um, what we came up with and what we pitched back to him and what we've since developed is a series that we've um, that that is now uh, published on his website and through social media called Sight Reading, which is where uh, Yo-Yo is sharing articles that specifically uh, relate to, you know, that hit one of these touch points and engaging his his audience in a conversation around these stories so this has created a way to have a dialogue with his audience, engage them in much in deeper, meaningful, meaningful conversations around 
around culture and, and its and its importance. Gotcha. So I want to take a complete U-turn from our current course of conversation and talk internally about the organization. And uh, I happen to know for a fact that uh, our very own Olivia is uh, is in the room with you, and she used to be a happy employee of 21C. So my following question is very loaded, uh, but, you know, <laughs> it's, a, it's a live studio audience, of course. <laughs> Uh, you know, Sean, how do you, uh, as uh, a leader on the team, keep uh, keep and grow your internal talent in, in an ecosystem, especially a digital one, where it's, uh, you know, the transition costs are so seemingly low because it's easy to find new jobs, you're tempted away. Uh, so how do you manage that internal staff uh, retention? That's a really great and, yeah, somewhat loaded question. First of all, I want to just go back and say Olivia is a very special person to me, both as a friend and as a former employee. And that I'm so glad that she she found you, George, and whole whale because it seems like it's a wonderful fit for her and a great, great next step in what is already a very remarkable career. Um, so how do we how do we retain uh, retain staff? So one thing that and this might sound kind of cliche or generic, is that it's really about the passion of of the organization as a whole. Um, you know, we don't. Yes, there, there's a lot of competition out there for for jobs in digital media. And if someone is strictly interested in working in, you know, in 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 digital marketing or analytics, we m- might not be the best place for them, to be honest. Um, but if someone has a passion for the arts and culture and believes in uh, the potential for uh, for music and the arts to really change society, that's really what we're working to do. And while we're um, we're technically a for-profit company, we're really working in a in a nonprofit space. Um, and our mission is uh, a fairly philanthropic one, which is to grow the audience for the arts. And why? Because we believe the arts have a really important role. To play in society that they make us it makes us more creative more innovative more productive it teaches us different ways of thinking uh it enables us to communicate with people of different cultures and come up with creative solutions to to problems and that kind of that philosophy uh we practice on a daily basis here in 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 the work that we do for for our clients and in advocating for these these artists who who you know we're very lucky are some of the greatest artists uh, you know, performing artists in the world and some, some of the world's great arts institutions too. Um, we'd like to think we're playing our, you know, our, the, the part that we can in growing the audience for this art form. Um, you had asked a question about just analytics, uh, earlier. And, you know, we recently just tried to measure the impact we're having on <clears throat> in terms of getting people to engage with content about classical music and, uh, over the past year, we realized we uh, we uh, created in the high tens of millions of engagement with content about about classical music, and our the number of impressions we generated were in the high hundreds of millions. So I wonder, you know, part of me wonders whether there's any other company or institution out there that is creating that kind of reach and engagement around around 
the performing arts right now. I hope there are others. And my hope, my hope is that, you know, this will eventually become, you know, a more competitive landscape because right now we're kind of, we were kind of the pioneers in, in this field within our, within our industry being the, you know, the like classical music and performing arts industry, which is kind of like a, a little bit of a, it's a, a very global, but still a, kind of like a, a small industry. Um, and that others will, you know, become successful at this because it's, you know, it's worth, it's, it's, you know, the arts need to be fought for. And it's not really something that especially right now, uh, feels like in our country is being valued at a very high level. I'm going to jump in on there, Sean, and also just say in terms of talent retention, um, as someone who was a talent nurtured and retained for several years by you, that they're as passionate as everyone here is about the arts. I think there is also a huge passion about the team and investing in the team. I started at a very basic entry level and the nurturing uh, that you provided me and I know that you've provided other people here, you know, you encourage us to develop areas of expertise and areas of focus and there's an investment in that. And I think that's hugely important for maintaining people, especially in an industry like nonprofits or the arts mm-hmm. where uh, it's very easy to flip the flip the script and go into and go into an organization that pays double or triple the amount, but you know, works with for profit uh, clients. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, on, on our side also, you know, I will uh, share that we, uh, we hire slowly and are, are very diligent about that. But in, internally, you know, I consider any hire that doesn't stay at least two years just to put out the, a bright line. Uh, doesn't stay at least two years. I consider a, a loss, um, you know, and I, I consider that a loss on, you know, uh, on my side and the, and the organization side for either not selecting or not uh, nurturing it in a way such that, um, you know, we, we made an environment that, that people want to stick it out in. But that yeah. said, kids today, kids today <laughs> they don't yeah. know. They, yeah. <laughs> okay, I want to play a quick game of pro-con, Sean. Sure. And in this particular game, I think our topic will be, and you can choose either pro or con, uh, our topic will be whether or not uh, pro-con on uh, major artists in the classical field, major artists, uh, or, you know, we'll call institutions, uh, why, well, let's take with artists, uh, why they need uh, to bring on a firm at all, given the fact that uh, media is free, Music's inherently mm-hmm. shared and loved by fans, fans self-organized. So why at all have a firm, pro or con? Uh, which side would you like? I would like pro. All right. Pro on the firm. I am con, no firm. Sounds good. Do would you, you make uh, it or do I start? You, you may start. You may start, sir. And I will give you the last word because I'm a gentleman. Well, that's very kind of you, George. My... My argument for pro is that, you know, the, what we do is we developed, we develop owned and earned media strategies for our, for artists. And the, the key word in, in there is strategy. While most, you know, most digital natives, so basically any client that we would have that's under the age of 40, you know, is grew up with the internet and, you know, come up, came of age and was probably an earlier, early adopter of social media. Uh, so they know, they know, you know, they, they know how to use it. 
you know, many of them are good at creating content for it. You know, the, the piece that we add is really the, the, the strategy piece. You know, part of that is looking at, you know, how we translate, uh, we, you know, their, how, how we can utilize their digital platforms to creating real world results. So it's, you know, whether that's, uh, you know, more, more visibility in a particular market, whether that's, you know, selling concert tickets, having more, you know, uh, generating more revenue from streaming services, um, creating, adding more value for, for sponsors or brand partners. These are the things that we can then focus on and say, here's what we can, here's how we can use, you know, you already know how to use these tools in a certain way. You know how these, to use these tools, let's say to, you know, at least get a lot of likes from your fans to generate interest, you know, for those clients that have good instincts, which many of them, you know, many of them do, especially the the digital natives. Um, But what we add is the strategy piece and say, okay, now what do we do to, you know, okay, we have a concert tour to sell. How are we going to translate this? into getting butts and seats. And that's not all, and that's not their area of expertise necessarily. Their expertise is really in making the art. Okay. So I'm going to jump in with my con side because ah, I choose to Mm -hmm. with the con side. uh, I have to say artists today um, in many ways have it made in the shade. So like dial back the clock a hundred years in order to be heard, you needed a newspaper in order to be heard. You needed to, uh, get out there with the flyers and, and beat the drum. And now, in today's market, we can have a kid with a guitar and a, and a, and a YouTube video suddenly turn and deliver us the, the artistic stylings of one Bieber, first name Justin. Uh, <laughs> it can also bring you self-organized mm-hmm. audiences, such as the Grobenites around, and Aaron Josh Groban, who literally do the work for him. So in this landscape, isn't it just create great stuff, it'll be shared, fans will do the work type of ecosystem? I think that's that's a very important part of the piece, especially for those examples that you mentioned, um, which might be more of the exception than the rule. Uh, but still, I think there, there's but there's also one has to keep in mind. And if we think that there's not a strategy behind, yes, maybe getting, you know, Justin Bieber getting discovered was, in fact, you know, just him putting out what many people consider, you know, what really great content uh, and that got him noticed. There is, you know, to continue to develop a career like that, to de- continue to build on a rate major career, to help an artist reinvent themselves. Uh, these are things that, you know, very, you know, there, there are, it, that re- it takes a village, really. It takes a village to be able to sustain a career over years and decades. Uh, and if, and I don't think it's anything that any artist, no matter how great, can do in isolation. They need a team. They need a team to tell, you know, to devise a strategy and maybe activating, you know, that that fan base that they have this symbiotic relationship with that that, you know, you know, that they know how to engage them. But but over time, you know, that fan base is going to age. They're going to need to cultivate a new fan base. How do you change your audience? I mean, you look at artists like Taylor Swift, for example, who've really been, you know, adept at that and reinventing themselves. I mean, Justin Bieber too, but there are quite a few people in the in the pop space. And this is, by the way, not my area of expertise. I'm going to admit that right now. But uh, that to continue to to sustain and build a career like that requires, you know, require. It's not something that can happen 
that happens entirely organically. The, the, the hard part is making it look like it's happening naturally and that there's no one really, there's not really a, a strategy in place. Yeah. Um, I thank you for playing ProCon. I'm going to give up the, the con side because ultimately I'm, I'm forced to agree that, you know, the, the examples I gave were very loaded and simply <laughs> saying the, you know, the mass population will organize around the type of music we should eventually have will uh, really lead to an ultimate dumbing down of, uh, of our palettes, I believe. And so it's important to make sure uh, all types of music, regardless of whether or not it can be shared between tweens, uh, rapidly is, is the metric. Uh, so thank you for the work you do. All right, Sean, we're moving into rapid fire, which means rapid fire response as well as back and forth. Are you ready for rapid fire ready. questions? I'm All ready. right, then. What tech dragons, difficulties in the tech scene, do Ooh. you need to slay in the coming year? The big one for us is really better understanding streaming analytics because what many of the services offer is in terms of uh, – access to the, the the data is very opaque so that's the the nut that we're really looking to crack what is coming in the next year that has you the most excited um i'm going to say hopefully more understanding compassion possibly a new president Can hashtag goodbye 45 all right uh talk about a mistake you made earlier in your career that has shaped the way you do things today I would say my a mistake that I have made and and continue to make but less often these days is leaving myself enough time to just think not working on like on a particular campaign or a particular client just really think and be creative um I think that's something that uh everyone really needs to you know, to take note of. And sometimes it's very easy, especially when, you know, when success comes along and, you know, you end up signing more clients and the business is growing. The natural inclination is just is to throw all of your time into that thing. But uh, it can kind of choke off creativity and that's not a good thing. So that's the lesson I learned kind of the hard way and now I'm working to be better about. If you had a hot tub time machine and could go back to when you first started with 21C, what advice would you give yourself? Hmm. Well, maybe there are if I if the time machine went back to when I started at 21C, so this would be the year uh 2009. I mean, I I would tell myself or no, sorry, year 2007. Uh I tell myself not to worry so much number one cuz I I think I was a little uh, maybe a little neurotic, a little more neurotic than I am now. Uh, but also, I think one thing that we came to realize, especially as, you know, in the beginning when we started riding the wave of, in particular, the wave of uh, social media in particular, it was easy just to have a presence for our clients to have a presence on this platform, on the platform. And it was less about content at that point. So, of course, as as social media and as particularly you know platforms like Facebook um, matured in their user in their user base, you know we had to really kind of make a pivot more toward content production and creation, and that's something that I would have liked to inv- invest in earlier earlier on had we 
really under, you know, had we thought ahead to, well, what's going to happen when this, you know, when this airplane reaches its cruising altitude? Uh, so that's one thing. If I could go back even farther to when I started kind of like interning in the business, which was like circa 2003 at NYU, um, I would, you know, I would go back and, at that point, it might have been too late, but in terms of the the record industry, of course, it would have been helpful to for them to wake up a little bit sooner to the idea that you know that the peer to peer file sharing was going to essentially just completely change the way people. No way, man! It's just a fad. Music. They're waiting it out, dude. It's a fad. People will go back yeah. to cassette tapes any day now. Uh, um, already gone back to cassette tapes. I mean, luckily now in this with streaming, uh, you know, especially paid streaming services, there is now an uptick in the recorded music business, and that's coming back. But I can tell you, uh, it, you know, it's not been a very large source of revenue, especially for for classical artists. We're optimistic that it's going to become uh, a bigger piece of the pie over time, uh, and more than just a marketing tool. Uh, Do you believe uh, not-for-profits can successfully go out of business? For a non, yes, for nonprofits that are working to, for example, cure a disease. If that disease is cured, then yes, you successfully go out of business. And what greater thing could happen than for you to cease to have a reason to exist? Uh, for the arts, it's you know we're never going to achieve. Well, if we're, we're never, never going to win art, Sean. Yeah, we're, I think we we <laughs> I think we're always going to need. Dude, art. I think we can solve this art problem. <laughs> well, unless we we become a perfectly empathetic society that understands everything about human nature, then the arts, you know, the arts are always going to have something to 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 teach us. All right, and the final curveball, Olivia, you're sitting in the metaphorical room with your past and present boss. Uh, and potentially boss of, of, of future future days, uh, what question do you want to ask rapid fire of both of us? Wow. I'm afraid. It should be. <laughs> I, unscripted. This will be delightful. <laughs> um, as managers, uh, since you're both managers, what's one thing that you wish your the colleagues you manage would start doing, would stop doing, and would continue doing? That's three questions. No, it's one question with three clauses. Stop doing, start, start stop, doing. and continue. Olivia stole my pen, so I'm going to steal my pen back and write this down. Okay, what, George, you want to start? Oh, that's uh, kind of you. Uh, sure. <laughs> so the classic start, stop, and continue. Uh, I think I will begin with the continue at Whole Whale. We definitely hire for learners, people interested in learning and really uh, expressing their alpha potential. So to that end, continue uh, learning aggressively. Uh, I think we need to stop uh, doing things that end in the, that live in the quadrant of uh, urgent and unimportant. Yeah. Uh, it's tough to identify but important at least to go through the exercise, plotting out that matrix of things that are burning sometimes can continue to burn. And it's tough earlier in your career to have the, the vision to see those um, because those will monopolize all of your time and, and prevent you from moving forward. And then finally, I would say uh, in terms of uh, in terms of start doing um, 
in terms of start doing, really start to allocate time to thinking about not just the the next week or month, but next year where the landscape is going and your own personal career trajectory, where you want to end up uh, is wholly dependent on what you're doing tomorrow and, and making sure that the work you're doing with, I'll say, Whole Whale uh, aligns with where you want to end up being because otherwise you're not going to be happy. Yeah. Over That's to you, Sean. Well, those were very good answers. So you set the bar very high. I'm going to do these out of order, if that's all right. I'm going to say, so in terms of what we should stop doing, I think there's still sometimes, and it's natural when you, uh, you know, when you enter the workforce to think that hours equal productivity, but really that's not so much the case, especially when you're working in a, in a creative field. Um, so, I would I would like people to to honestly you know work less but focus more on the output you know uh, sometimes there's still a culture also it, this is kind of like an industry culture thing too that it, it's about the hours you put in and I think this is the, the really the case in a lot of uh, industries that have these longer histories probably less true in tech um, but. Really, if you can do your job in, you know, in 15 hours and a week and have this, you know, the same or greater out. And but the output is one that is, you know, gets the job done, that moves the needle, then I'm super happy. So focus more on outputs would be would be one thing. So start focusing more on outputs and stop uh, thinking about just things in terms of like man hours. Um, I think. One thing that I would like to for my team to continue doing and even do more of is, you know, is sharing ideas. I mean, one thing is when the way we're structured is largely, uh, you know, we have a team of strategists and each strategist has their accounts. So there's not always overlap. In terms of what they're, in, there's overlap in the type of work they're doing, but not on projects so much. Sometimes there is, um, and we do have some people who have specialties. We have, you know, someone who's more specialized in design. We have someone who's more specialized in analytics. Um, but just more, more sharing of information. Um, and so I'd like to continue to do that and do even more of it because. I think we all benefit from also, especially those just, you know, we benefit when we share our individual areas of expertise so that we can have a greater understanding of the full picture. All right. And that's been our our rapid fire round. Olivia, everything you hope for? And more. And more. Okay. As we move to a close, Sean, thank you so much. How do people find you? How do people help you? People find us, I mean, really People generally find us based on word of mouth, I think, and I think that's true of most agencies doing uh, what we do. Uh, luckily, we have our clients are largely very happy, and so often they'll talk to other people in our space and say, "Oh, you know, so you know, we, you know, we, yeah, we work with 21C, and they see them, you know, and they did a good, they've been doing a good job for us, and you should really talk to." Sean or talk to Albert or Jessica or Glenn or whomever. Um, 
So that that is a lot of it is through referrals. So I wish I had a more scientific answer. <laughs> for we had, how do people? You gotta know people. Or how do people find us online? That that thing. They Google us. The internet. They Google. Right. They Google Twenty One C Media. Usually, I mean, usually it's it's yeah. I you know what we don't find clients because they Google. They do Google performing arts PR or perform or classical music digital media because. Honestly, those we have a I mean, we have a small selective client base. And uh, so we're not necessarily looking, you know, while clients do find us and we do find clients, it goes both ways. It's uh, generally people. It's not people. You know, it's, it's, it's a relatively small potential client pool that's out there for us, considering what we do. Um, so what we, I mean, part of. I guess if we're the the deliberate part of that strategy is to really articulate our value proposition uh, online through our website and social media strategy and make sure that those, of course, are, you know, optimized for search engines. So when people search for terms regarding, you know, what, you know, our services, our company name, the clients we work with, they are drawn or led to our owned, you know, our owned media. And gotcha. So find, you got to know the right people to find 21C Media. They'll find you, and in order to help, listen to more Yo-Yo Ma and appreciate the arts. <laughs> exactly. Brilliant, man. Thank you so much for joining us, uh, and thank you, Olivia. Always been my dream. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Uh, you know, obviously, we had some fun with Olivia in the room asking questions of her previous and current boss. And I think it's a, it's an important point, thinking about retention, thinking about retention in digital age. And, and then as well, thinking about how even, you know, the most proficient artists out there and organizations need the work of being heard on digital, despite the, you know, the legacy, the names. And uh, it's something that is pretty consistent across industries. So Hope it gave you some ideas to play with. Uh, this was episode number 83. We'll have the resources, as always, uh, listed in wholewhale.com slash podcast. This has been Using the Whole Whale, stories of data and technology in the social impact world. Resources, as always, may be found at wholewhale.com slash podcast. Thanks for joining us. Music, as always, by the one and only, the classical Greg Thomas. GregThomasMusic.org. Find him. Commission him. Have him do some dulcet tunes for your, for your needs, because that guy is great. Uh, thanks, Greg.